0: Welcome back to another episode of the Beer Truth Podcast. I'm Tom, and today I'm doing something a little different. Um, I guess not really a Beer Basics episode, um, but something a little different I've been working on, and um, this is also going to go on the blog if you read that. Uh, Probably not like anybody else. No one reads that, but um, this is kind of a project I guess I'm working on, Um, but there's an old company that is no longer around, uh, that I was learning about exploring and, and doing some research on and, um, kind of resonates today with, uh, Black Pride and Black Lives Matter. Um, so, uh, this is a, basically a research piece, I guess that I did. Um, it's on a, a company called Black Pride Inc. Uh, I was from 1969 in Chicago and they launched a beer brand called Black Pride Beer. So it's an idea that still resonates today and uh, did some research on it. So in the wake of George Floyd's murder at the hands of police in Minneapolis and innumerable other similar accounts of the same issues, the same atrocities, uh, the plight of black people in America has really been thrust into the spotlight. You know, it's always been there, but now it's being exposed and captured on camera repeatedly in all its brutality. Many people have tried to find ways to support black businesses and communities in an attempt to help right the economic injustices that have always existed for black people in the United States. Mindfully patronizing black-owned businesses is not a new idea though. It has been around. Uh it's just again been kind of pushed into the spotlight lately with uh these movements. One little known example that we can look to in the beer world came from the South Side of Chicago, where a company named Black Pride Inc. uh, Also, I'm just going to call them BPI, uh, entered the beer market with their contract-brewed Black Pride beer in 1969. BPI was the brainchild of the founder, Edward J. McClellan, a South Side-born-and-raised Army vet and 17-year member of the Chicago Police Department. So several years prior to founding BPI, uh, McClellan was named the executive secretary of the Chicago South Side branch of the NAACP, and in a short time before founding BPI, in that position at the NAACP, uh, he grew it to the largest membership in the country, with over eighteen thousand members just in the South Side Chicago branch. And another native Chicagoan, Earl C. Vivian, uh, was named vice president of BPI, uh, the treasurer. E. Winston Williams uh, spent most of his life in Chicago. I think he was from Mississippi, but uh, spent most of his life in Chicago. And Secretary Elliot Matthews was another born and raised Chicagoan. So uh, Chicago roots in BPI. Founders of BPI were like-minded. Uh, they believed that a major obstacle to black upward mobility was that black people were often too patient, too faithful, that they would be given a fair shot. and. That doesn't exactly always work out, relying on the magnanimity of whites in power was a strategy that didn't tend to pan out uh and and create change so uh we've we've seen that over and over, and historically white people in power in any regard field or industry have not exactly been itching to give up that power, and that doesn't necessarily specifically apply to white people uh but generally white people tend to be in power and not real uh, keen on giving that up. You know, just look at Wall Street. So by creating BPI, uh, they plan to kind of take matters into their own hands and create their own opportunities. BPI was formed as a a for-profit corporation whose main concept was to enable economic, social, and political growth of black people to, quote, assure social justice and respect. Uh, That's something that sounds eerily and sadly familiar today. McClellan was quoted as saying that Black Pride Inc. is in every respect a bootstrap grassroots endeavor, and that investors were everyday people who were just tired of waiting for help from the man. uh, Launched with 75 stockholders from the local community who bought in for $1,000 each, uh, which in today's money that would be that thousand dollars would be equal to just a little over seven thousand dollars, so uh, not a small chunk of change uh, you know for for a lot of these people that's probably a good portion of their life savings. in part, the goal of getting local investors as opposed to big names or you know charitable, rich white people was really to enforce reinforce the idea of black pride and the hopeful economic success of the company was predicted to benefit the local community and stakeholders not only financially but also through general improvements and services offered to the community. Um, That was really a big tenet of the company was to enrich their local community not just with money but with services with new opportunities that weren't being given to them. So uh, BPI had uh, a lot more than just money on its mind. There's an original article from Brewer's Digest, and I believe the article came out in 1969, I think it was a November issue, and the author of that original article kind of floats the idea that with tangible evidence of success uh, due to black pride and black people having self-respect, that BPI becoming successful in that regard, then upward social mobility and achievement would become possible for the black community as a whole. And I think the idea... Has merit, but it's a it's a kind of a warped cause and effect idea, and it really comes across as condescending at best um, there's a lot of that kind of feel throughout the article, so one of the core tenets of BPI was to essentially enable higher achievement for its stakeholders and provide a positive example to the black community that rolling up your sleeves and putting in the work could lead to financial success. Something more than just getting by and you know making rent or paying your bills in a white man's world, basically with not a whole lot of uh, opportunities to advance. BPI didn't want itself or its stakeholders to rely on well-intentioned uh, or generous white people. Uh, it wanted the black community to gain that self-respect and pride, again, without waiting for a helping hand from the man that wasn't probably coming. Uh, This original article seemed to be the only one that really focused on the launch of Black Pride beer, and it contains a lot of language like that, Uh, kind of a beneath-the-surface feeling of condescension and kind of like a, well, maybe if they worked harder. And it was 1969, you know, an era just really rife with racial tension, turmoil, but uh, it almost comes across as pity. Yeah, uh, it's there are parts of the article that are uh they're kind of hard to read without feeling some kind of racial tension that was pretty wide in that era. The company BPI uh, was expected to eventually become kind of an umbrella organization of interrelated businesses that focused on improving and uplifting the community and seemingly in contrast with that a beer brand was the first venture they chose to go with. I wouldn't think a beer brand would be the first thing you'd choose when you want to uplift your community and promote hard work and financial success and all that but uh they had their reasons and um and that's what they went with. Uh as for the Black Pride beer brand, uh BPI had pretty lofty ambitions. The long-term goal was to own and operate a brewery, and they had discussions of franchising and distributorships in other parts of the country uh, that they hoped to launch within a decade. At the outset of Black Pride Beer, BPI was essentially just a distributor for the brand. Uh, they owned the brand, but they BPI itself was not a brewery. They were uh, essentially had distribution rights for Black Pride Beer, and the beer itself was brewed under contract. Uh, by the West Bend Lithia Company uh, from West Bend, Wisconsin, which was uh, or is about 120 miles north of Chicago. And the West Bend Lithia Company had uh, been around for well over a century. I think it was over 115 years, uh, well over a century, and had been family-owned for 80 years. So uh, apparently it was the right fit for Black Pride beer and they were uh, going to contract brew it and you know that's that's a a good way of getting into the business without having to own a brewery or build out a brewery uh, as we see a lot of that today uh, if you listen to the episode with Notch uh, that's a pretty similar way they got going the original agreement was for west bend lithia to produce 20,000 barrels of black pride beer per year and that contract also gave bpi the distribution rights for West Bend Lithia's uh, original brands um, in the city of Chicago. So Black Pride Beer, um, or rather BPI, was going to distribute its own beer, Black Pride Beer, and it was also going to get the rights within the city of Chicago to distribute, uh, I think it was two different West Bend Lithia beers. So kind of give them a, a head start on the business side of things. And West Bend Lithia had also agreed to provide select people that BPI chose, um, I think within the company, but it might have been outside the company too, uh, with, quote, a full cycle of brewing experience after the designate has completed satisfactory scholastic training in subjects basic to the art of brewing. So, sounds a bit subjective, uh, but that was probably intentional so they could kind of come to an agreement about who got these benefits. It was definitely a radically progressive step in the industry at the time. Um, There were also vague references to launching a marketing communications class with a Dr. Harry Davis, which would have been um, conducted at the University of Chicago Graduate School of Business, which is one of the most prestigious business schools in the world. But I couldn't really find much more. It seemed kind of unclear on the outcome of that, whether that class actually took place. Um, It was scheduled to, I think it was scheduled to start the year after, probably would have been 1970. So Black Pride beer, the beer itself, uh, described pretty simply as a lager beer. Black Pride beer was said to be brewed with traditional brewing materials and traditional procedures. So uh, the founders of BPI were reportedly convinced that black consumers had no specific preferences when it came to beer other than high-quality ingredients. Uh, remember, this is 1969, so craft beer micro-brew is not exactly on very many radars, if anyone, other than, like, Fritz Maytag. Uh, But something about the sentiment of uh, black people just want high-quality ingredients, uh, something about that screams professional marketing firm to me, but uh, maybe that's just me being pessimistic. As compared to the immense variety of beers on the shelf today, the 60s and 70s didn't exactly have the same breadth of choice. Uh, Black Pride beer was... Also reported to have a relationship with an independent brewing lab which would evaluate the finished product and help ensure consistency from batch to batch you know sounds like a quality assurance lab and uh you know that's important uh if they put out bad beer uh one batch and then good beer the next and then uh you're not gonna get much uh consumer loyalty uh as a new brand you know black pride beer could really not afford mistakes right out of the gate so it sounds like they did everything they could to uh, get off on the right foot and um, you can find their packaging online if you look up Black Pride beer uh, it's clean and simple uh, emphasis on black and gold and the slogan a beer is proud as its people uh, kind of over the top of a, a lit torch and a lion um, a pretty intentional reminder of the African lineage of the company and it's people and what it was trying to, uh, bring pride to the actual beer was first distributed on the South side of Chicago on Monday, November 24th, 1969. And, uh, it was anticipated to launch in the premium beer price category, which with my napkin math, uh, would be, uh, with inflation in the 10 to $11 per six pack of 12 ounce bottle, uh, price range in that area. So, I mean, that's you can get pretty great quality beer for that price today. Uh, you know, you can get a six pack of Sierra, uh, Sierra Nevada, pretty much anything for ten, eleven bucks. McClellan was quoted as saying, uh, "The quality of Black Pride beer warrants the premium price that we charge for it." That seemed to be a real point of emphasis for the company. Uh, it was saying that high quality beer isn't just for white people who can afford it, uh, and on that note, black people could afford beer. Black people could afford quality beer. Uh, it was a another kind of racially differentiating thing. Uh, I think it was a subtle statement from McClellan, but a necessary one that had more to do with society as a whole than just beer consumers and who was buying beer. Uh, he was basically saying uh, this isn't a basically wealthy uh, or well-to-do white people consumer category. As I mentioned earlier, uh, there seemed to be kind of some surprise that a beer brand would lead the charge for BPI uh, as a company. But um, the founders uh, had data that showed that within the local community, uh, black people spent more money per capita on alcohol purchases than white people. And BPI also claimed that three beer brands held 70% of the premium priced beer market. And I was trying to find what brands those were. I'm sure they were uh, names that would be familiar, but the market share numbers that I was finding didn't quite seem to match up with that. But the company felt it could basically take advantage of the market that was already established and uh, get in there and get a foothold without the hassles of identifying their consumer base and doing all the research on that. They felt like it was it was there and they could get in there and uh, take advantage of that. Um, another major founding principle of BPI was that black people were seen as consumers and customers, but uh, obviously they were a lot more than that. They were producers, creators, entrepreneurs, and contributors to society. And again, this is an idea that has its basis in racism and that people of color just sat around waiting for government handouts. And BPI really wanted to turn that thinking on its head because they recognized that their consumers are more than just consumers. And BPI wanted to uh emphasize that and basically create a new way of thinking. McClellan talked about the exodus of dollars that were earned or created in black neighborhoods, but essentially benefited white people in white neighborhoods, and those dollars didn't necessarily stay in the neighborhood. Um you know, you hear the sentiment of shop local and Uh, I can't remember what the number is, but it's like 80% of money spent locally stays within the community, and that was a big big thing for McClellan in focusing on his local community. He also endorsed the idea that if black people wanted to be self-sufficient and independent, then they had to make use of what they had and really embrace the self-starter attitude that the free market economy in large part depended on. I don't think his sentiments came from a place of black versus white, but rather a perspective of, you know, we want and deserve the same opportunities as white people, and we're not asking for a handout. We're willing and able to work for it. And I think that was really his mindset, really in in its entirety, for BPI. Uh, He was asked if the whole concept of BPI might be encouraging black separatism from white society, to which McClellan reportedly scoffed the idea that anybody could Consider the issue of a black owned company as being separatist from white society for the reasons of being black financed, black owned, and black focused on consumers. Uh, it pretty clearly illustrates the root of the problem itself. The fact that it was being deemed white society in the first place really shows the deeper issue and, you know, that we're very much still struggling with today. Being questioned on Black separatism from white society is coming at it from a very uh, misinformed angle, in my opinion. The The faux outrage of a the idea of diversity inclu- and inclusion tends to shine a brighter light on the real problem, and McClellan questioned whether blacks and whites were ever close enough in social hierarchy that separatism was even a relevant idea or uh issue to be brought up which in the you know the civil rights era and just up to this day there's all kinds of numbers that show the income disparity and in, uh economic differences between black communities and white communities and it's it's not even it's not really close the idea that they're on equal footing and have equal opportunities to begin with is completely wrong and misinformed so with all the good BPI was trying to do of course every progressive movement has its detractors and the BPI agenda was no different some claimed that McClellan and others in the black community might be basically using the historical plight and degradation of black people in America for their personal financial gain and again this is probably uh, back to the faux outrage attempting to disguise deeply entrenched societal racism. Uh, And McClellan responded with basically the true but kind of troubled idea that even if that were their motivation, at least the money would be benefiting the black community in Chicago's South Side. And whether or not that would hold as true would depend entirely on the intentions of uh, the company's founders who theoretically would be, making all this money and the actions carried out on behalf of the company and therefore it's stakeholders and it's investors, it's local community, it's employees. Theoretically it would be true that these benefits would largely remain within the community but actually correlating those profits to improvements in the community might have proven quite difficult Um, if it's if all that money is staying in the community but in the pockets of just the founders or uh, just a handful of people then is it better that the money is there to provide the opportunity for positive change yes but then what happens from there is really where we get back to the idea of bpi of providing improvements and uh, benefiting the community so it would come down to what they actually did with the money as opposed to having it more spread out in the first place this leads me to final focus point for Black Pride Beer, that at its core, it sought to lift up and support the community on which it was built, uh, especially including those that invested their hard-earned dollars in the company, not knowing if they would ever see a financial return, much less a some kind of profit down the road. Uh, those who had purchased stock in the company were reportedly given some financial training through a number of meetings with company officials. Uh, as a part of their investment in BPI, stockholders also Uh, were asked to help out in day-to-day functions of the business, such as unloading beer shipments, uh, painting the warehouse, and even making, essentially, sales calls within their local community, uh, visiting stores and trying to get Black Pride beer on the shelf. And at the end of the day, uh, help the company, help the bottom line, which ultimately was the goal of helping their community. It really was, as McClellan said, that grassroots uh, endeavor and... They tried to get as many people involved as they could and uh, bring that benefit to as many people as possible. One major obstacle that BPI had to deal with was convincing their target demographic, basically black people in the community, that Black Pride beer was actually a black product and not just a slickly marketed beer brand. Produced cheap and with a high rate of uh, return by basically some savvy marketing firm of white people uh, in the financial district, just looking to make some money and not holding BPI's uh, goals in the same regard. Uh, the advertising business is not necessarily the most compassionate industry when big money's on the line. Uh, just watch a Bud Light ad or a any of those uh, big companies that have a lot of money on the line. Just watch an ad from them. I think we all remember the corn syrup ad from Bud Light uh from the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Uh on top of all that BPI had to do more than just get itself off the ground. Uh it needed to be a successful business and you know, Black Pride beer wouldn't inspire much pride if it couldn't do business and provide a return on investment for its shareholders, which were invested in BPI, not specifically Black Pride beer. Uh that was just one of the Parts of the umbrella of Black Pride, Inc. but uh, it does appear that Black Pride beer was a success at least for a few years. But the brand was reportedly seemed to disappear when the contract brewer West Bend Lithia Company uh, closed in nineteen seventy-two. So that was just three years uh, after Black Pride beer was launched. So the brand seemed to have disappeared. Uh, there's still there's still uh, brewery on out there, uh, memorabilia. Um, There's old cans, there's bottle caps, there's um, labels and signs, stuff like that. Uh, But pretty hard to find, you know, 50 years later. Uh, it's There's probably most of it's been recycled or thrown away. It does appear that the company was a success uh, in its way for, you know, in its contract brewing way. Um, But it's really, really hard to find information about black pride inc about black pride beer there's one or two articles uh that you can find and it's it's pretty difficult to find i've been doing more research trying to find more stuff online but can't exactly go to the library in chicago right now and look up these archives but yeah if you have any information feel free to pass that along um that's it for this one uh as always, please follow the show on social media. Uh, any questions, shoot me an email and or comment or message or whatever. Uh, it was pretty interesting doing the research for this. Um, I'm going to try and do a little more focus on things like this on kind of on specific brands and uh, kind of the historical research aspect of it. Uh, pretty interesting to dive into these kind of things. So, um yeah if you like this one let me know um uh, trying to not make it too long of an episode but uh back next week with um kind of an interview kind of something new uh so stay tuned for that and uh till the next round slacha.